had a black hole in replacement where my heart used to be. I tried to speak about it, but at that age, my friends ignored me. My God, back, 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 Can Miss Becky please raise a hand, bro? You better call Becky with the cool Yo, hair. Yo, what's good? It's your girl, Becky. And yes, I do have good hair. Welcome to my podcast, The Spoken Word. Today, we're going to go ahead and get started with our feature poem. And let's go. So the name of this poem is called Atlas. All right. Um, If you're familiar with like Greek mythology, you know that Atlas headed out, the Titans headed out, so it was Zeus and him. And so, basically, when they lost, Zeus kind of like put the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like he had, he was forced to hold the sky. So that was his, the inspiration for this poem. She carried it around on her shoulders. It was obtrusive, and she spent most of her nights trying to figure out if there was something else that she could do with it, because it took on the peculiar shape of burden. And it smelled with the stench of hopelessness. She said it felt like the heaviness of deep thought and ambiguity, and it often got lost there. Lost under an axis of confusion, and the thoughts were enough to make her head spin and her neck hurt. I told her, I said, baby girl, that sounds a whole lot like the weight of the world. But she said, no, not the whole world, just hers because she saw what seemed like everyone else's world still defying gravity, allowing them to walk with their heads held high. She saw the way the sun still sparkles in their eyes, the way the moon still danced around their hopes and dreams while she buried hers into earth shattering fault lines to fill the cracks and keep her world from falling apart. Cause the last thing she needed was to have to pick up the pieces in front of her audience. So I asked her, how is your world holding up? And do you know she replied, I'm fine. And they began to centripetal force a smile big enough to hide the brokenness. I could tell she had mapped her smile out so many times she was finally able to say I'm fine without tearing up. Pivotal. Because wiping tears was a liability and using her hands for anything other than holding her world together would force her to drop the ball. And dropping the ball gets you found out. And getting found out means repercussions. At least that's what she was told. Because... What goes on in this house stays in this house. Or, you know, therapy. I don't need therapy. That's for crazy people. Or if you tell anybody, Al, and each message orbited her value system, making her mentally ill-equipped to manage the storms and earthquakes. And the only place that she could find balance was on the inside of whatever bottle cosmic enough to stabilize her shoulders. So I asked her, what does that feel like? And she said she had a galaxy of emotions to explore, but usually landed somewhere between numb and suppressed because at least there she wouldn't be able to feel how sore her shoulders were. And anybody walking by would just say she was strong. Some confused her for Atlas. But I told her, baby girl, the difference between you and Atlas is that you serve a real God. One that wouldn't punish you with such weight. One that wouldn't give you more than you could carry. The manufacturer of worlds. The giver of lifetime warranties. The fixer of broken globes. It doesn't matter what broke it. I didn't ask her what broke it. And I didn't promise her how long it would take to fix. But I did offer to help her carry it. Even if just far enough to sit it on Genesis' doorstep. But do you know she said, I'm fine. Yay, yay. So there you have it. That was the famous Erica in the... If you don't even know who she is, she was at the 
at the snap my snap the snap the one and only snap event and funny to say today she's on the episode for today she's actually the special guest and the feature poet how amazing is that so go ahead and introduce yourself one more time for them to hear okay i'm erica lynette you can find me on like instagram or uh, any social media really at erica underscore lynette e-r-i-c-a underscore l-a-n-e-t-t-e um i'm fairly new to the dallas area i've been here only about six months and oh yeah girl i just got here <laughs> just got here well, and i love famous. it girl i'm not famous <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to come up like you <laughs> you know beyonce helped you with that <laughs> so good here. um i i you were i mentioned you were the pe- feature poet you were one of the poets from snap i want you to tell me one thing you loved about snap yo okay this is easy i loved how intimate it was so um back in charlotte i used to stay in charlotte for a little while oh, it's not my hometown but you I see loved it cool? i did not <laughs> so one thing that i really got into while i was on the charlotte scene one of my homegirls put me on uh was this thing called house concerts and this essentially was the same setup. You just like somebody opens up their home, you dim the lights, you have just a lot of people sitting around. So you have your feature musicians, and everybody can vibe out and just like focus in on the music or on the art. And there's not the distraction of like the bar or the this or the that or like any of that. And it's just like super intimate. And I think that was my favorite part like how cool it was to meet people, and it didn't seem like anxiety provoking. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's like, good to hear, cause mm-hmm. I was, I was stressed out. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I gonna do? I but no. It. Um, so I don't know you very well. I just mm-hmm. ran to you at Black Canvas, you did. and I loved your poem. And I was like, hey, I got this podcast. I want you on there, and I got you at my event. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm happy. <laughs> I know who she is, sort of. We're kind of friends. Kind of. Um. So <laughs> I want to know who is your favorite poet. Like, who do you listen to? Who do you look up to? Who do you, who, how'd you first start this? Like, who? Um, okay. So I, you're gonna like think I'm crazy. I really don't have a favorite poet. Um, one of my favorites is actually my best friend. She does poetry. Okay. And her, her name is Lauren Chalier. And uh, she's out of Charlotte. And just, I think she's one of my favorites simply because like her imagery, like when she does a poem, you can feel it, you can hear it, you can taste it, you can smell it. Like, it, that's how, like, her work, like, amazing her wordplay is. Um, so she's definitely one of my favorites. And then, how did I get started? I was in college. And I'm, like, through middle school and, like, high school, I always wrote, I always had a journal. And I, like, always wrote little short stories. But college was when I really got into poetry. I was watching this group of poets. Now it's called P4CM, so it's called like the Passion for Christ movement. They have this like big poetry event every year, but before that it was called the Lyricist Lounge. Um, Okay, yeah, I've heard it. And so I was listening to them, and I was like, I can do that. (laughs) It was like that. That seems cool enough. Like I don't. That doesn't seem like hard because I was already a writer. Right. And so I just practiced and practiced and practiced and wrote and wrote and wrote and. So I'm still writing, still practicing. You know? um, so for today's topic, you guys, um, what is this? May? Are we in May? Mm-hmm. We're in May. And it's actually National Mental Health Month. So um, I like to touch upon that subject because lots of my, a lot of my poems are pretty much about personal things that I go through. Mm-hmm. And 
I've never, <clears throat> I wrote one poem about suicide and I made, I read it to a, a room full of college kids and I had the room quiet, like you could hear a pin drop mm -hmm. and I was amazed. And that's why I was like, I'm never reading a poem like that again because I don't want the audience to feel, to feel that. But sometimes they need to, like just to build empathy, sometimes they need to hear poems like that. So they, cause they may not experience themselves. They may have friends who are like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. But because people don't talk about it, they can't empathize with it. So maybe they need it to. That's true. Um, so from the snap event, I heard you recite, I remember you reciting this poem. Oh yeah. I know it was a personal poem. I don't, you don't have to, um, give us the whole poem, but it, later on after this, you can like give us like a snippet of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I want to know like, obviously you had a personal experience with this type of situation, mm -hmm. and how did it feel? I guess for experiencing it through somebody else, like having to be there for that other person. Mm. So. I think it's really difficult when people feel like they have nothing else, like nothing to live for. Like their life isn't good enough. I think personally, um, my strongest belief is that everybody was born and created for a purpose. Um, and to see, and and I think I mean I'll talk about it later. It was it was about like my sister. It was, the poem was about my sister essentially, and just to see like the hardship and like her seem like there's like no way out and like how like her head's like beneath the water and like she felt like she had no support um that was hard because essentially you do have people around you that really really love you but it's hard to see that when like you feel like you're drowning um and so sometimes really all you can do is just like be a presence in the room like you can try your best but um i think just being there um helps you know yeah so so um when your sister was going through that did you somewhat feel like you were feeling what she felt? Like, did you pick up on those emotions too? Um, so, I'm still going through a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, it's it's kind of difficult because I felt like a lot of stuff was just like, um, I don't want to say self-imposed, but some decisions she made wasn't like, weren't the best decisions. But even in those decisions, like, I felt like some of the things that she dealt with because of those were like just too much to like to handle um and she does have some like genuine mental health um concerns and so i think it's difficult because you want to be there and like be supportive but then you realize at some point there's only so much you can do and before like you need to like reach out to other resources and then those other resources, whether it be a psychiatrist, whether it be um, like a facility or something like that, or just take a deep breath because sometimes when people go through these things, it is a lot, especially if like a lot of people aren't there to support and they like dump all their stuff on you. That's heavy too. But um, I think essentially she realized that she did have some support, but she's still kind of going through it. Yeah. So it's difficult because um, she still has to kind of like find her path. Yeah. And I mean, we can offer as much help as we want to, but at the end of the day, like she's she's gonna have to have that like that internal like motivation to just keep persevering, right? And, like, keep going, you know? Yeah, kind of like I remember like when you say reaching out to different sources. I know like 
even at SNEP, I read this poem mm -hmm. when I was in middle school. It was when I first experienced, I guess, these thoughts and feelings, and uh, I would talk to my friends about it. Mm -hmm. But at that age, like I said, like we're we're in middle school, we're in, we don't know how to handle life barely, mm -hmm. and let alone to hear it from somebody else. And I'm pretty sure my friends at that time didn't know what to do. They're like, oh, oh God, yeah. Becky's going to the restroom. She's going to not come back, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And because I used to write stories or my written expressions or poems at the time were, like, really so detailed. Mm -hmm. And I just got to a point where, like, when, I, when they went to tell the counselor, I felt betrayed. Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, it untold, like, an yeah. adult, like, you know, it was supposed to be our circle. But uh, I just didn't know... What else to do? So I lied when I went to the counselor. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll mm -hmm. talk to my whoever about it. And then whenever I got back the next day, of course I had like a recap, like how'd it go? And I was like, I lied mm -hmm. because when I felt betrayed and like at never again did I ever like tell them certain things. But mm -hmm. like my poems and stories kind of like downsized. I had to like put metaphors in there to hide mm -hmm. what I felt. But over time, I was like, I kind of got over it with the help of like cousins and friends, mm -hmm. a different like different crowd, different crowd. But it was just. It was different. Yeah. A different emotion. Do you think your sister felt betrayed when, like, you guys had to reach out to different sources? Or was she, like, asking for that help? I don't think she was asking for it. Okay. And I think on some level she didn't even realize, like, how much yeah. she needed it. And I think that's the, the hard part because, like, when you, when you are going through so many things and, like, and your family can only do so much, like, it's, it's not like, oh, we're not, like, telling on you. It's like, no, we just really don't know what to do and like and nobody looked at her like different but it was it was overwhelming it yeah. really was overwhelming um and so I mean I personally and I, I'll put it out there like I've personally been through therapy myself because I think it's healthy to be able to have that that unbiased opinion that somebody to like you know get your stuff out who you don't and, know at all right who you don't know and they kind of just like they have the tools and the skills and the education to help you like sift through your thoughts and things like that. And I think it's a great thing. But I mean, again, being in a certain communities and certain ethnicities or whatever, um, it's like you don't grow up thinking that it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like even in my family, I think um, I told my one of my family members and he told my mother and it was just not, a, like my mom freaked out. Mm -hmm. And then he was, you know, it's just not, at that moment, I don't want you to freak out. Mm -hmm. I just need you to just to, just to listen. Mm -hmm. But I was still young, so I didn't know what I was going through. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I know you said you felt through it through your sister, but what about yourself? Have you ever experienced anything yes, like that? Yes, girl. <laughs> Look, anybody that has ever had to, like, wake up. Is like anybody that still has breath has gone through something, yeah. and I kid you not, I think it was college for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I just I felt really alone. Like college was really lonely for like a really lonely time for me, and like really just trying to figure out who I was, why I was there, um, and just really wanted to feel like I belonged. And so I tried things I probably shouldn't have tried. <laughs> I <laughs> said, sure <laughs> um, and just like, and had to deal with the consequences of those things. And I think at some point it just kind of like broke me. Um, and it wasn't until, um, I'm gonna be honest for me, like I, it was really, really difficult for me 
um, I'm a I'm a believer. So what that means for me is I believe in Christ. And it wasn't until I like learned who he was and what he could do for that part of my life was when I actually started to feel better. Um, and just really be able to work through those things. And like I said, therapy, that helped, you know, being able to talk about like how alone I felt and like, I don't know. And just like, you know how you know how it's like we put on this facade of like real being real hard like i can do bad all by myself but really just really want connection with somebody and like really just trying to figure out what that looks like and like learning vulnerability and things like that so that i can't open up to like to like safe people and actually feel that love that i that i felt like i needed yeah um so doing that and it was tough it was really really tough it was like probably one of the toughest like phases of my life i agree college was tough for me too i was on my own and i was learning about who i was too so i understand it completely mm-hmm. um so i went to therapy too mm-hmm. when i was in college and my first therapist that i went to um i did not come out well mm. i had a breakdown I think, and I'm a runner, so after I got out of therapy, I went straight to my room, and my 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 teammates were there waiting for me, like, because mm-hmm. they knew I was going through stuff, and they knew I was going to therapy, so they knew, and I came back, and I ran around campus, up and down the dorms, because I, you know, it's that energy of, like, mm-hmm. frustration. Yeah. And so, um, have you ever had, like, one of those, have you had multiple therapists? different ones mm-hmm. have yeah. you had one that you just didn't like you just yes i went like i'm gonna go one time not coming back again because you just messed up my whole life yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah so but then i went to another one and i felt great like it was yeah. this whole totally different experience mm-hmm. but the first one i was like i'm therapy yeah. i hate this it sucks mm-hmm. whoever says therapy again forget yeah. you right because because I think we generalize it. I mean, just just like anything else, you have to find your fit. Yeah. You know, find who fits you, find who listens well, find who just kind of matches, like, and kind of understands your character, your personality, um, and because that, that helps, you know, and then kind of see where you're coming from, where you vibe with them a little bit. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, because, yeah, so if we guys, don't be afraid about therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually important. Yeah, but you know what's cool is that when you, you said it yourself, you was like, I'm a runner. So when I had that frustration, I went running. I feel like a lot of people forget like to tap into those hobbies and those things that they really enjoy um, that actually releases, they, they release those dopamines and they like, they help you clear your mind. You get to take deep breaths. Those are actual practical things you can do to help with some of your frustrations and your anxieties. And like some people just don't tap into it. They just like kind of buckle under the anxiety instead of doing things like that so that's really insightful you know and i also believe that not just exercising is a good form of like therapy like Mm. even like poetry like after like in the moment it's a full-on detailed poem like i hate you (laughs) broke my heart like oh yeah i gotta then like after you edit it it's like you can like make it sound a lot better Mm -hmm. but like even i know artists who paint and stuff like that like that's a form of therapy too so it's not just you know you don't have to just go to a therapist sometimes you can like uh, just do other things. Mm-hmm. So absolutely right. Do you think mental health is a big is a big deal and it's like ignored mm-hmm. still? Yeah. So for a couple of reasons, like I think um, we don't take it serious enough. Um, 
I feel like there are people that struggle with some like severe mental health issues that go under the radar. Right. Um, so I was a teacher for a few years, and one of the so yeah, I didn't know that either. Oh yeah, yeah. That so <laughs> a while ago, I was a teacher for a few, and a lot of my kids and their issues kind of went under the radar. Name mainly because we had so many, and it's hard to catch those things when you've got a class of like thirty kids. It's hard to really. I mean, you can try your best. Like if you're in tune with some kids and. You, you'll need the help of other kids, like kids in your class that were able to understand who you were and be able to say something. Right. So I taught health. And so one of the things I will always say is, hey, if you have a friend that says X, Y, Z, or they look like they need help and you don't and you don't have the ability to help them, let me know. And I mean, it's hard because, like I said, with so many kids, you really don't you really don't know what's going on with them personally, especially if you're focused on the academics. Right. Um and then I think as adults, we try to just like brush it off as, oh, I'm just having a moment. Um, yeah. or, or, or are they just crazy? <laughs> no, it's probably like a real thing. Like it's probably schizophrenia. It's probably bipolar or dissociative or whatever kind of disorder. Like, but we just, and you know, and I think sometimes this is probably far-fetched, but I think especially with social media, things like that, and with so many people like trying to be like funny and stuff on social media, yep. sometimes we just miss it because we think that's just them having a wild personality. Right. And, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't think people get to learn enough about it, especially like in the school systems, to be able to po- like point it out um, and be able to, you know, get people real help sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if this... I don't know anything about the school system now, but I wonder, do they still even talk about it? Like, is it just like passed through or is it actually like a curriculum that's taught? Um, it's, it's part of the curriculum. Well, where I, in, where I taught, it was a part of the curriculum. Yeah. Um, mental and emotional health. And we just talked about some of the basic things like, what does depression look like? What, is it, what does anxiety look like? Um, Nowadays, it looks like a lot of different things. You're right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, so... You guys missed it, that poem. I'm not going to have her read the whole poem because you should have been at Snap. You should what, have been at Snap. That's what the whole point is. But I want her to read, like, let's say, like, 30 seconds of something important. You can, you can even pick in the middle. In the middle? Or whatever you want. Um, and then you can just give them a snippet. If I start in the middle, I'll, I have to, like, preface the poem. Okay. Um, so... This poem was called Beloved. That's that. That's what my sister's name means. And essentially, me and my sister, I went home to visit and we stayed up all night, like watching YouTube videos on how to canoe. And we had never canoed before. And so the next day, the next morning, we went to the river and like started canoeing. It was like a terrible, it was like, I don't know what we were thinking. It was funny. We fussed at each other most of the, like half of the trip. And um, once we finally got our groove, then it was like peaceful. It was just like the nature was like serenading us. It was just like a beautiful experience. And it was really, it really helped us connect in that moment to be able to talk and just be on the water, right? So this was before pretty much life happened. And so this part, I'll start at that part of the poem where it says, I wish moments like these could last forever. But life has an obnoxious way of diverting your attention like a person annoyed with you making too much noise with your freedom. I watched it grab you by your face and told you get out of that canoe and go to war. I watched it introduce you to multiple heartbreaks, camouflaged inconvenience. 
These men ammoed with back hands and sharp tongues your armor couldn't deflect because it was too worn down by addictions. I tried to pull you off the battlefield, but you always promised me that your next battle would treat you better than the last. And I wish you could still write your fairy tale with a peach-themed wedding that shows just how sweet and southern you really are instead of that thorn-rose appearance you give anybody that gets too close. I wish you could honeymoon in Paris and retreat back to your castle and have your 10 kids. I don't know why you chose 10, but I think it's because that number represents how complete you would feel. I wish you had the faith to believe in happy endings instead of settling for a world that molested the Disney out of you. I wish someone I wish someone would apologize for making you believe that you were only good enough to be side piece and not rib. All right, I'm gonna cut you off there because now you're giving right. too much. Okay, <laughs> you got it. But no, um, so we about to get to the closing of this episode. <laughs> um, so for all you who missed Erica at Snap, she mm -hmm. actually has an event coming up this yo it's this sunday yo yes yeah, mother's day you it should bring is. your mothers out you should bring mommy yeah because they'll should. appreciate it just don't like write poems i'm just kidding just warn a fair <laughs> warning like these poems are sad mom like poets are deep right but um don't tell, tell mom don't wear that church hat <laughs> we gonna be at the bar you gonna come dressed ready to go strap on her, her strappy sandals you know she gonna be like uh, <laughs> where'd you, where you, where you bring me hmm? So this is what you do. <laughs> All right. So at the end of my episodes, I like to give three or four things, like advice for the next two weeks or for life, you know, of what oh, you go through. Yeah. So um, I actually want to break this up between you and I. Okay. So I want you to like give the audience, for someone who is going through it, mm -hmm. like who's actually the person who's feeling these emotions of yeah. suicide or feeling dark or six feet below or whatever, mm -hmm. what four things would you give to the three or four things that you okay. would give for them? So like be like one, Ooh. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I put you on the spot. Oh, you're good. You said surprise. I, I did say surprise me. Um, so one, I would say, Trust your circle, like find your circle, whoever that circle is that's really, really supportive um, of you to to just be there, like allow them to use their, their, their presence, you know, just them being there for you. Uh, I want to say too, find a good hobby, one that makes you smile, one that makes you feel good, one that releases those dopamines. Um, and I would say three, um, Find find yourself thinking about how, uh, like, find yourself with a glass half full instead of half empty. Because a lot of times everything gets dark and we get super overwhelmed by the bad stuff and we forget about the good stuff. And, like, you can write, for example, you can write, um, like, five words spelled right on a, on a chalkboard and one word spelled wrong. Everybody will focus on that one word that's spelled wrong. And not the five right words. Right. Um, that's just how we are. We focus on the the negative. Sure. I don't know why. So find yourself um, being more thankful and just seeing the glass half full. Like take an inventory of the good things around you. Um, and last but not very like absolutely not least. Like I said, I'm a believer. I believe in just like meditate, prayer, um, reading, and just finding yourself casting your cares 
on the one who cares for you like um, that would probably be my ultimate advice so yeah that's what i would cool. advise yeah those are some good ones Thank so you. on my part um i'm gonna give you about three or four things to do if you if you're the friend who is friends with that friend mm. so if like you're the outside you know yeah so one pay attention Mm-hmm. It's very important because if you're f- real friends with them, you would know something's off. Like for for me, for example, my friends know um, if I'm quiet, too too quiet. There's something wrong, with Becky. Because when have you ever seen me quiet, ever? Mm-hmm. And then two, like like just like what you said before, like all you can do is just be there for them. That's the only thing you can do. And don't always assume that they need therapy. Don't always assume that because that's not always the answer. That's true. Um, if you can't be the person that they that they can talk to about, um, just be there. Just even just sit there quietly with mm-hmm. them because sometimes I notice that people I used to tell things that are going through my life. Go, I was going through things in my life that I wasn't able to tell them because I hated their response. Mm-hmm. I hated how they made me feel. No, I even I know people say this too. You make them feel like they can't feel a certain way, mm-hmm. and it's like. You're not allowed to feel sad because you got this going on. Right. But how can I or anybody tell somebody that, like, you can't feel this way, dude? Right. Like, you have a roof over your head, you, you have food on your plate. Like, how can I tell you that? And I guess, you know, then you have to realize they're human, you're human, that they're go- mm-hmm. we all go through emotions. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is to just honestly, I got, like, it's, it's, it's really important. I'm repeating myself, but just to honestly just pay attention and be there. And just really just, you don't even have to be the person to take them away. Like, you don't even have to be the person that makes them feel good. Take them away from the scene, from the dark place. Mm -hmm. Just allow them to relax. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, sometimes people need a change in, what do you call it? A change in scenery. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, I'm going to read one of my poems. Let's go. I'm going to read you half of it. It's from the event snaps. If you weren't there, you... Well, actually, I might. I'm actually gonna be performing at Erica's event this <laughs> this weekend, so yes, you will, will probably hear this poem. So more like just a little information on the event. If you go to social media on either of our like Instagrams or anything, you'll find that information. It'll be at the Profit Bar. Um, what time? Tickets. It's doors open at seven thirty. Okay. Uh, get your tickets online. They're much cheaper. They're ten online, fifteen at the door, and you're gonna hear some amazing poetry. Similar to what she's about to spit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, and Erica plays guitar. So if you want to hear Erica play guitar, you need to like kind of like push that upon her. <laughs> young Beck. At a young age, depression found me. I was minding my business when I when I stumbled upon hurt. It came so quickly, consumed my heart. I had a black hole in replacement where my heart used to be. I tried to speak about it, but at that age, my friends ignored me. I was young. I didn't know how to cope. I knew inhaling Sharpie was bad for me, so I did it. I knew snapping rubber bands on my arms hurt, but it made me feel alive. I knew crying healed, but who was I really crying to? I knew the same sad story was long overdue, so I kept quiet. I knew I was up to no good when my thoughts of suicide occurred. At that age, my poems were a series of bad thoughts. Pain I would inflict on myself. Pain I wanted to feel no more. Just paint so that poem that poem pretty much explains itself i don't give my poems titled but this is actually the first poem i actually gave a title called young beck because i was in middle school and high school Mm -hmm. trying to figure myself out and i'm 24 so i'm still trying to figure myself out 
But, you know, today we had two pieces from Erica, one piece from me, and you guys don't get that often. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy it. Yes. Listen up, share, and um, uh, please come out to our events this mm. Sunday. And I think we'll have more in the future. Just check up on our Instagram. So Erica, tell them what's your Instagram one more time. Oh, Erica, E-R-I-C-A underscore Lynette, L-A-N-E-T-T-E. Yay, yay. Mm-hmm. We're about to close off this episode right This episode is sponsored by Wolf Nation Studios. You can find them on Instagram at Wolf Nation Studios, W-O-L-F-E Nation Studios.